Hey, this is Ed Gallo. I'm joined by uh, the Fight Sites Ryan Wagner, analyst, and the Fight Sites Zach Makovsky, who by the time this comes out will have published his first article with the site, which I think ranks among your biggest career achievements, uh, in my personal opinion. Um, Number one. Yeah, but we're also joined by Julio Arce. Uh, this is my first time talking to Julio. Uh, but yeah, UFC featherweight, but now you are dropping down to Bantamweight, I just learned. That's right. Going back down. And that, that's awesome. But uh, Julio is one of our favorite fighters. And I don't know if you know this, but we usually use you as like the measuring stick for like, is a fighter good or not? Like, well, are they as good as Julio Arce? Then if they're not, then they're not good. Um, you're just like the, uh, the example of, of what a good fighter looks like to us. When people and, uh, talk about like light heavyweights, we're always, eh, he, he's, he's all right, but he's no Julio Arce. Yeah. <laughs> Not even joking. We actually do that. Uh, <laughs> so that's a little bit of fangirling right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm allowed to do it. Uh, but yeah, we, we have a little panel in store for you guys about scoring in mixed martial arts. And this is all inspired by Zach's first article. Uh, Zach, would you like to you know briefly summarize the, the contents so they're still going to read it, but that you don't reveal everything? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just basically a critique of some of the issues I think uh, make the ten point must system different from how it is in boxing. You know, it's basically just moved it over from boxing, and we didn't we didn't take into consideration all the different dynamics and a bunch of different things that. Uh, that I think complicate the situation and make it a far less uh, suitable system in MMA. So I just basically run through a bunch of points, give some examples, and I don't advocate for any uh, new new system. I'm there just complaining about uh, the ten point must system. So an important an important step. Got to get the complaints out first before you come up with solutions. Um, awesome. One step at a time. Yeah, yeah. And we're looking forward for, to more in the future. Uh, but yeah, Zach's a good writer, very smart, knows his stuff, firsthand experience. So definitely check that out. All right. So we're going to start with our questions now on, you know, just the nature of scoring in mixed martial arts and our thoughts on the current system and maybe some specific examples. And these guys can talk about their fights or other fights. Um, and I'm not going to answer the questions. I'm just going to ask them because I have, I have no real thoughts on the subject. So uh, the order is going to be Ryan, Julio, then Zach. And then for the next question, Zach will go first and we'll go back that way um so ryan wagner the first question is for you and my question is what do you think is important in scoring a fight i mean this objectively not relative to the current system uh so you can save your complaints for there but just see if you watch a fight and it goes to a decision if there's a decision format uh what, what do you think should be considered in scoring it yeah the two most important things for me are obviously impact or damage and attempts to finish the fight and by attempts to finish the fight I don't mean like throwing up arm bars from guard where you're not really getting close to a locked in submission, but if somebody has like a locked in rear naked choke and they end up not getting that, I think that should be considered highly because it's, uh, you're well on the way to finishing the fight. It's uh, not only an attempt, but you've already taken action and are close to finishing. As for impact, I think that's fairly obvious. Most would agree that the, the point of a fight is to inflict damage on their opponent and um, any kind of significant impact, I think, should outweigh volume. You, you hear a lot about people saying that he, you hear people pointing to fight stats and saying like he, he doubled him up in strikes or he landed 30 more strikes. But I think that's a lot less significant than 
how impactful the strikes are. And this is obviously hard to, it's hard to weigh volume versus impact. And it's hard to weigh how impactful one strike is versus how impactful another strike is. But I think generally the, the main point of a scoring fight should be to determine who had the more impactful strikes, who did the most damage or failing, failing any clear advantage in impact or damage of strikes would be who came close to finishing, which I guess would be kind of more like pride system than the UFC. Uh, I'll address some things that I don't think should be considered. A lot of most scoring systems, uh, they don't place a premium on stuff like octagon control and effective aggression, but it's still in there as kind of a tiebreaker. And I don't like that being in there either way. The criteria of octagon control or anything like that, I think is very nebulous and doesn't have um, like an exact definition it means whatever you want it to mean. If you're if you're considering something like who's controlling the pace of the fight or who's controlling the position, I think that's really just an opportunity to give individual judges uh, the chance to to kind of like bring bias in towards their towards whichever kind of style they like less or whichever style they like more. Uh, you're naturally going to gravitate towards pressure fighters or outfighters in that case, and I don't think it's any in any way separate from the impact. If somebody is dealing more, more impactful strikes, landing more damage throughout the round, then I don't think it can be really said that their opponent is meaningfully controlling the pace or position of the fight. So I don't think any of that should be relevant at all. Um, stuff like effective aggression, that is, it's a very MMA way to look at things. Like if you look at other sports like Muay Thai, they're kind of the opposite where they, they favor the retreating fighter and the, the chasing fighter is seen as kind uh, over aggressive and compensate. So I don't really understand either of those perspectives. I think that we should just let fighters kind of play their game and do what they think has the best chance of winning and then weigh the, weigh the impact of strikes, weigh their attempts to finish against each other and see who comes out on top. I think any kind of attempts to, to place scoring, scoring uh, weight on which direction you're moving or whether you're controlling the fight is kind of redundant as I don't see a point besides just looking at who's dealing the more damage. Um, some people might say that I've heard the argument a lot that if you don't uh, reward the fighter coming forward, then fighters won't have an incentive to, to like go for it. I really don't see that. I think fighters want to win fights and we should let them win fights. However, they see the best opportunity to do that. Yeah. Made a lot of good points, Ryan. You might have answered other questions as well, but it's okay. Fine. Uh, Julio Arce, same question for you. What, what do you think matters uh, when scoring a fight? Um, I mean, did you, he, Ryan, you had some great points there. Um, you know, based on damage, I think also, you know, one of the things that, uh, besides damaging is, you know, he brought up a good point about octagon control. I think, you know, everyone can, can control the octagon a lot different. You got people that are pressure fighters. You got people that move around a lot. And maybe the people that like to move around, like to create angles, and they control it differently. But I think in the judge's eyes, you know, they're looking at the person that's constantly coming forward, constantly, but, and, you know, the pressure fighters. But then if you got somebody that's moving around and tagging you from the outside, then they start scoring it for a kind of, they kind of give it to the other guy. It becomes like a very, very close fight. Like, um, I had, um, one of my teammates, uh, Shane Burgos, when he fought Cub, uh, Cub Swanson, you know, it went to, uh, like, a, I think it was a split decision, 
but Chan was dominating the whole time, and I think they they were favoring on the other guy because on Cub because it was I think it was he had a little more output, but Shane was just causing damage. And then, you know, when you go to the judges' scorecards and you hear like a split decision when you've been dominating the fight, you know, in a, in a fighter's mind is like, yo, you know, one, they go have my paycheck, and two, it's like, how are you gonna score like that when I'm like literally like, like hammering this dude? But it, like I said, you know, I think I think judges have to have experience in what we're doing to be able to judge. You can't just leave it to somebody who's just, you know, like doesn't really know MMA. And uh, kind of like what Zach was saying before, you got people that went from boxing to trying to judge MMA. I mean, like it doesn't work that way. There's so many factors in MMA. If I take you down, well, you got the Tony Ferguson case. Somebody get, who gets taken down. But then he's causing so much damage from the bottom, and your face gets cut up. It's like, but then you got judges that might be giving the person who's on top the round because they got takedown. But if you got takedown, you're not doing anything, and the guy's just literally hammering you and cutting you up with elbows. It's like, who are you going to give the round to? The guy's on the bottom. Yeah, you got on the bottom. He's got taken down, but the guy's not doing anything with it. You know, you should be giving it to a guy that's really just causing damage on the bottom and just really putting in work. But, you know, look, everyone, it, I think the judges see things so many differently. Like, I had a fight, my, you know, one of my fights, I got like a tiny cut here, and I was bleeding, and, you know, they kind of based it off that kind of damage, but it was like a 1-1 one, one type of round, and they based it on, on the, the first round. The first round, I got dropped in the beginning, but then I took him down, and I was on, the, on his back for most of the first round, and I was almost, almost locking a submission. So, you know, it kind of becomes like a toss-up decision in one of those because, like, first round, it's like whoever. It's like a thin decision. Then second round, the other guy had it. Third round, I had it. And then if you weren't able to finish me, though, and I ended up on your back and controlling most of the round, it's like it becomes like a little tricky one. It's like, okay, who do you give it to there? But I think the judges just need more experience in, like, MMA training in general just to understand, you know, like – the, like effectiveness, the effectiveness of of you know being in every aspect. So I, there's just a lot. I just think you know the judges should have a lot of should have experience in in what we're doing instead of just transitioning from boxing to MMA. For sure, and uh, yeah, it's the the Shaman Marais fight uh, where you, where you were cut and it was super bloody. And uh, I think once they see the blood, they're like, oh, who's making the other one bleed more? And they start uh, getting distracted. So. For all we talk about the system and things that should count, you can't account for the judges not even using the system that exists, um, yeah. which they often don't, which is a, a huge issue. So that, that's uh, really insightful points there. Uh, and Zach, I, I pose the same question to you, what matters uh, in scoring a fight, but I also uh, wouldn't mind hearing a little bit more about the grappling perspective, uh, you know, because there, there are long grappling rounds where there's reversals and people spend the same amount of time on top, but they didn't throw a lot of strikes. Like, what do you... What do you measure there? So uh, that, that could be another interesting wrinkle to bring up. Yeah. So first, some of us paper, thin, skin, pale folk bruise and cut easier. <laughs> so I don't like to use the blood and physical appearance of damage as like a definitive indicator. But um, I, I mean, I think Ryan Ryan said it, said it pretty great. I totally agree with his uh, like harder, more impactful shots over general volume. I agree with... Uh, what he says about positioning in the cage and you know the direction you're moving isn't necessarily indicative of 
you being in control. I think the real difficult thing is to kind of define what control is because outside of damage and like really deep submission attempts, what is control? And that's the problem. And I think it's clear when you, when you change it from like position in the cage, one guy moving forward, one guy making the other guy change directions, hitting him as he is exiting left or right. Once you, once, once it starts becoming grappling, uh, you know, the control is usually a little more clear, but as Julio was saying, the judges don't always see, like if, if I'm holding you down and just clamping your hips, but you are beating me up with elbows and attacking my arm, who's in control here? And uh, I think the main thing is, is teaching people to see the real nuances and understanding what the control really is. Who's, who's dictating the action in what, in what position. And uh, there's no like, there's no easy way to do it, you know? And there's always gonna be bias. There's always gonna be people who favor the forward guy and like, you can try to take it out, but everyone has their natural biases. And that's just, that's part of judging under any system. If you have humans judging a fight, that's gonna exist. But uh, I think it's really hard to figure out how to train people to understand who's controlling what, because I would say, and I'm biased also, I would say the outfighter who is making the pressure fighter chase him and can't catch him, the outfighter is more in control of that situation. The pressure fighter wants to cut him off. If he can cut him off and isolate him in a section, then he's controlling the action there. You know, So it's just like a really, uh, it's just, you need really educated people watching the fights who really can understand who's dictating, controlling the action. And that's no easy task. For sure, for sure. And uh, it, it doesn't hurt that uh, we have two guys who do really good work off the back foot in this discussion. And usually that's something that judges uh, have a bias toward not seeing at all counters and, and work on the back foot and stuff like that. And then when we get into our, our discussion of, of fights that we disagree with the decisions on, uh, I hope that Ryan at least brings up some ones where a guy just got destroyed on the back foot, but they were moving forward the whole time. Therefore they won, uh, John Jones, but <laughs> I think I'm ready to, uh, to move on to our next question. That was awesome guys. And, uh, yeah, this, this discussion definitely favors the person who goes first, which is why we're going to keep mixing up the order. And Julio, if you'd like, you'd go first for the third one, just in case, uh, people are stealing your ideas, which happens when you have a lot of smart people in the same room, they say the same stuff. So, uh, yeah. Uh, the next question is you know, the topic of the article, essentially, what are your thoughts on the current 10 point must system, both the point system and like maybe the rounds, the whole structure of, of a fight, as well as the criteria currently being used to judge uh, MMA, at least in uh, the unified rules. And that's uh, for Zach. Please check out my article, <laughs> which hopefully will be out by the time this comes out. But sure. um, yeah, that was, that was the, the idea I had to write about because um, you know, I think there, there's several there's several aspects that make it the current system we use, at least in the U.S. and most places, is that, you know, first, there's no 10-10 rounds are, like, actively avoided. Like, you're not supposed to give 10-10 rounds. And that means and at some point, you're going to be picking, if it's a very close round, you're going to be picking some small, pretty much insignificant difference that could ultimately decide the fight. Uh, 10, eight rounds are 
much more ambiguous. There's no official knockdown, standing eight count. It's not very clear. The action just keeps going. Sometimes like the other guy's right back up and, and on the attack again. So like uh, deciding 10-10 and 10-8 rounds is more difficult. Um, there's less rounds. So every little decision you make, like that in that first example, like a 10-10 round, if you're going to not do 10-10 and just pick something insignificant to give a guy a 10-9, that's one third of the scoring of the fight. It's a huge percentage of the overall fight. Um, I don't want to give away my whole article. I could go on for a while about this, but, um, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that directly and indirectly, I think the pay structure in MMA makes the, the system stupid. I think um, the longer duration of the rounds, the fewer amount of rounds, the ambiguity around 10, 10, 10, eights, all that plays into making it not great. I'll stop there. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Everyone, the, the article was definitely published at this point. Uh, so everyone check out Zach's article for a more, uh, you know, formal version of, of this discussion, but it's, it's very nice. And, and there are numbers, but if you're allergic to numbers, it's not anything crazy. It's not like uh, the, the moral hazard <laughs> piece with all the economics equations. It's not like that one. So bring your calculator. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Julio, what are your thoughts on, on the current judging system in MMA? Read his article. <laughs> Read his article. <laughs> That's all I can really tell you because, like, I I, I, I agree with Zach. I'm like, it, it's like, you know, if it gets big, they avoid the 10-10 rounds. So it's kind of like a toss-up right now. It's like, I feel like it's sometimes, like, what did they remember last half, the last thing that happened in, in like, a round? So it's like, you could have it, like, pretty much a super close round. And – they throw one maybe big shot that even if it doesn't land, it just looks like, like, whoa, that could hurt him. He's like, you know what? We're going to give that guy the round. It, it, and it's like, because in their eyes, they don't have the experience that, you know, the people are in the cage have. So, you know, I, I agree with Zach. And I just go back to just read that article. <laughs> For sure. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, I think uh, Zach's point about um, with MMA being three or five rounds, there's so much less opportunity for swing rounds that every decision, like Zach said, that the judges make is so much more impactful. And I think that's a big reason I don't like the 10-point must system in MMA. I actually have a lot fewer problems with the system than I do with the way it's implemented. I think it could be decent for MMA the way it's written out if judges actually followed it. But I do think that point about there being so some fewer swing rounds in MMA is very important. Because in boxing, you have a 12-round fight. Um, you you can have like you can have a decision where six a guy won six rounds clearly, the other guy won four rounds clearly, and there's swing rounds either way that you can see. In MMA, that doesn't really happen. And regarding the the point about 10 10s and 10 8s. Judges are, I hate how hesitant judges are to give 10-8 rounds because the way the system lays it out, um, they should be a lot more uh, common than they are. But I also understand the hesitation because if you give a 10-8 round, the the fighter on the opposite end of that basically can't win the fight unless they get their own 10-8 or if they finish it. So it makes sense that judges are so hesitant to award 10-8 rounds in a system where that's basically screwing the fighter over for the rest of the fight. And I think that it's really hard to justify a system like that in a fight that has three rounds or five rounds, especially with how, how long the rounds are. 
Uh, it's a lot harder for judges to get a clear idea of like what's going on than it is in a three round boxing fight uh, or a three minute boxing round, I mean. And regarding the 10-10s, this is something I like a lot about Muay Thai judging that they don't really have in boxing or MMA, where if they don't have a clear winner, they'll, they'll just say, okay, it's a draw. Whereas boxing judges and MMA judges are hesitant to award that. Because again, if you, if you give one 10-10 round in a fight, then that's, it really limits what else the fighters can, can do. So I think it's not a good idea to have a system that, that's kind of designed for 12 rounds over three round or five round fights. Mm-hmm. Does that, this guy like Muay Thai or something? This yeah. like <laughs> he might, he might watch the fights. I've been trying to get into it. He's sending me stuff for my attention span. He's like, you just watch these two rounds and this one, and you'll, you'll be all set. It's been working out. But yeah, um, and that brings up Zach's point earlier about the pay, the pay structure. Like, what if they were to award a draw? Would they pay them both the win money? Would they pay neither of them the win money? If it's neither. the UFC, I think they probably wouldn't pay either of them the win the money. So it's just like uh, that that opens up a whole can of worms for sure. So there's the system is oh, yeah. complex with all the flaws in it. They're matchmaking too. Like, I imagine yeah. they wouldn't know what to do if both guys are coming off a draw. Make them fight again. <laughs> <laughs> Keep smashing them together until you have a winner. I like that. Um, but yeah, so, so this definitely sets us up for a deeper discussion of, of specific fights. So Julio, if you'd like to go first, and it could be your own fight, it could be other fights, whatever you want to do, uh, but just a fight where you disagree with the decision uh, and, and just explain your thought process there and how it applies to the, the greater discussion. Um, you know what fight really stuck out? Um, you guys remember the Andre Philly fight versus uh, Sadiq Yusuf? Yeah. Yes. That was a super close fight. And I thought I, I had Andre Philly winning that fight. And, like, Andre was, like, like besides putting the pressures and doing the output, I feel like Andre was causing more damage and really putting Sadiq, like, you know, making him just, like, uh, moving back, tagging him up, scoring the takedowns, and... Like, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but it's like maybe as they're bringing up, you know, younger, you know, like, like up and coming, like, you know, kids, people have like the star power, just like, you know, they look at them as like the next big thing is they have them in, so they hold them in like such a, like they're more in favor of them than like the veterans who've been in, you know, like in, in the game of the, in, right. just in the game for a longer period of time. And I, I don't know, it's like that fight just stuck out to me because I thought Andre Feely won that fight. But he got screwed in a decision, and it's like you know, like okay, where where did the scoring go wrong? Because it's like they, it was pretty even, but some judges were scoring it like ten eight. You have the one judge that kind of fucks you over, and it, I, I, I would have seen it as like as a draw, but they gave it to like they gave it to like a unanimous. I think it was a unanimous decision to uh, to use of. So. Same thing with my, with my, with my, you know, with, with Shane, um, my teammate Shane, when he fought Cub Swanson, you know, you're dominant, you're literally dominating the guy, but then they go to a split decision and in your mind, you're like, yo, I got this fight. And it's like, so-and-so gets a, you know, they get around, you get around. You're like, how the fuck did that happen when I was dominating the fight the whole time? Like, what are they looking at? And in your mind, you're also like, that's half my pay also. You know, you're kind of like, you know, as you, you guys were bringing up the point about fight or pay, you know, you got to fight for that extra, that other half. So you're in your mind like, fuck, man, I'm, I'm, I think I might be going home with half my pay after I just dominated this guy. And it starts fucking with your head in a bit. 
but I think that it's, it's just complicated me because you don't know what these judges are really looking at. Like you could you could be dominating the guy, and all of a sudden you get a split decision, or they give it to they have it in favor of the other guy for some reason. And you're like, where do they give this round the, the round to one of these guys? It's like where? It's like it's like you could even you can sit down and rewatch the fight. It's like where the hell did this judge? Like what were they looking at that they gave me a, like a ten eight round? And I think I think it was also when I, when I fought Dan Ige, my first my debut in Boston. Like I I felt like I was just like controlling the pace the whole time and just like really just bring it to him and I think they gave they gave him one of the rounds and you know it's, it's kind of just like he just makes you like look in the air like, like really like I thought it was like a I was clear like it was clear like 10-8 10-8 10-8 and they're like no 10-9 to the other guy it's like like you just took away one of my rounds like you know that's just like like what like what are you guys looking at that is really making you know like the scoring count like what 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 is it that's where you go back to read his article. <laughs> you're, good at, you're good at this. Excellent marketing. Plug. Let's go to Zach next so I can ignore Ryan more. Ooh, pulling the rug out from Ryan. Yeah, he steals <laughs> all the Sorry. ideas. He, he talks too much. <laughs> all right, I'm probably going to show my age with these fights here. Oh, here I we go. All right. Um, now, I haven't seen this fight in a while. But this is my memory of it. So this is a Rampage versus Machida in the UFC. Uh, so I remember basically two rounds where Machida's dancing on the outside, throwing little insignificant low kicks. Rampage can't touch him at all. He's trying to chase him, but Machida's dancing around on the outside. Basically, that, that kind of uh, dynamic happens for the first two rounds where there's really no significant action. Rampage can't catch Machida. He's super frustrated. Machida's just dancing on the outside. Third round, Machida blasts him with a counter, hurts him, head kicks him, swarms on him with like a huge flurry. Rampage is in like full defense mode. Machida takes him down, mounts him, almost arm bars him. Rampage gets out and the fight ends. And Rampage wins the decision because the judges gave him the first two rounds where there's almost no significant action going on. And I mean, you can put some of that on Machida for, but that's Machida's style. He was, yeah. in my opinion, he was controlling that action. He just wasn't doing anything effective. And clearly, the most significant action, the most dominant action, almost finished him twice, was Machida. And he still didn't get the nod. That's a clear, that's a, that's a clear way where one person had basically all the dominant action in the whole fight, and the other person won a decision. And that is a travesty, really. Um, so... I'm going to contrast that with a fight I just watched right before I got on here. This is old pride and pride has different rules. Pride scores the fight as a whole. Sure. They also used to have a 10 minute first round. Uh, this was a uh, Dan Henderson versus Ninja Hua. All right. Uh, there's a little bit of action where Henderson probably gets a little bit of the better of it in the beginning. He Henderson goes for a guillotine. I don't know why <laughs> ninja gets out and his ninja gets out is on top ground and pounding and hit him with knees to the head from side control, but nothing like devastating, but controlling him clearly for like eight minutes, eight and a half minutes of the first 10 minute round. Second round ninja gets a takedown. They clinch him most immediately. Ninja body lock takes him down. Actually, I think it was a Metzger off a knee. Boom. And uh, ninja's on top the whole second round again, controlling some little ground and pound is landing shots, but nothing devastating. 
So that's 15 minutes banked for for uh, Ninja. Henderson comes out the third round, blasts him with some huge right hands, some huge uppercuts, takes him down, big knees on the ground, big knees as Ninja's trying to get up from the front headlock, hitting him. And the third round ends with Henderson dominating the third round. But he got pretty much dominated for the first 15 minutes of the fight. And they give a split decision to Henderson because they see the fight as a whole. And the most significant damage was done in that last five-minute block by Henderson. And that is, I think, those two fights is a clear, uh, like in the UFC, Ninja would have won that fight. And I think the Rampage-Machita fight, Machita would have won it if it was in pride. But I don't know. Do you think Dan Henderson should have won that fight? Just in your what you consider it to be valuable? Uh, it's that's I think so. I think so. Gotcha. He was closest to finishing the fight. He finished stronger. Here's a question: Do you think finishing the fight stronger should be more valuable than the beginning? Because it just ends when one guy could be like, in, if there was another round, this guy would be in big trouble. Right. I don't know. I kind of think maybe a little bit, but I don't. I also don't want to wait because we know it, how long the fight is. I don't want to wait. Right. One section over another section. I don't think that's fair either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're measuring a different thing, right? It's like I certainly think Machida mm-hmm. should have won that fight against Rampage. The Henderson Ninja fight was, I think, closer, but Henderson did have the most significant action. Right. Right. But I don't think it was as much as Machida. What Machida did. To rampage. So I don't sure. know. Am I shooting myself in the foot here on my own point? No, I Why'd think, you ask, think it works. Yeah, Henderson should have won. I was curious. <laughs> I can take the. Heat I think off so. I, when I watched it live, I did think he should have won. When I just rewatched it, I'm like, man, he got controlled for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Question: What about the Holly Holm versus Jermaine Durandamay fight? I think that was pretty when... clear for Jermaine. Yeah, but Jermaine was hitting her after the bell. And at the oh, same yeah. time, Holly Holm, Holly Holm was tagged. Was, was, she, was, she was bringing it to her the whole time. And I, as I said, and then you're get, she, she hit her after the bell a bunch of times. I didn't see no points getting taken away. Holly Holm is controlling. She's literally controlling the entire fight, and they gave it to Jermaine. I think there's definitely an argument that there should have been points taken away. But as far as the judging for me, I weighed uh, Jermaine was doing most of the effective offense, landing the clean punches. And while Holm was pushing her up against the cage and controlling her, I think the, the punches were more significant. I definitely agree, though, that the ref could have taken points away. But that's also kind of um, like the judges don't really have a say in that as well. That would be the ref. And there was a bunch of stuff going on with the New York Commission, too. Like the ref was saying it's, it's not legal or it's not illegal until the ref breaks it up which doesn't exist in other commissions. So there was like a whole clusterfuck there. I didn't know that. I don't, I don't specifically remember that quite well enough to, uh, to give an opinion. That whole New York show was just a, a massive shit show. So is that Weidman Musasi? What's up? Was that Weidman Musasi, the same one with the instant replay? Oh yeah. It might've been, yeah. Oh no, I think that was a different one. No. But yeah, well, New York it just New in York general, shows in the UFC have had some some problems. Yeah. <laughs> New York just can't seem to get it together. No. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. <laughs> Here's All another right. another sidebar. How about uh, sure. do you think the only reason Chad Mendez wasn't champion because Jose Aldo hit him after the, the bell after in the, the bell. fight? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> Ryan, what do you think? <laughs> you know, I, I got to say, you're right about that. I can see no argument to the contrary. <laughs> I mean, he, he fought the fight, the fight he did after getting rocked badly at the end of the round. So, I mean, like, just imagine what he would have done if he didn't get rocked. or Maybe it was like it a thing where, where he had to get hit and that, like, that really got him into the fight. And without that late shot, he would have just kind of lost a slow decision. Did they score it? Did they score that this round for Aldo? Was he already Gotta, winning the round? Yeah. Wait, what, um, about, what about Michael Bisping versus Anderson Silva? Like, score that a knockout victory end, for Silva. I, I, yeah. I, I, I know at the end, Silva, Silva hit him with that knee. I don't remember. It was like around the bell, but it's like yeah. I felt like Bisping was, was the one landing more significant strikes and just really coming forward on, on Silva. Silva didn't really do much. And then, like, that one knee that he got hit with that almost dropped him, I felt like they counted that more and they gave it towards Silva when Bisping was literally controlling every single round and, like, with output damage. But, of course, no offense, Zach. You know, you got you got, you got got some British guys who are much paler and bruised a lot faster. You know, they, they, they get the damage on their face a little faster. You know? And so it's like, okay, so – Bisping probably got a couple of bruises and they gave it to him. They gave it to Silva. Even though Bisping was clearly winning that fight. They did score that for Bisping, didn't they? Yeah, Bisping yeah. won that yeah. fight, right? Did Bisping yeah. won that fight. I thought Silva won that fight. Bisping won, yeah. Bisping got the decision. I, think. I can see how you would think Silva won because he like yeah. pretty much knocked him out. <laughs> yeah, multiple times. Like the Derek Brunson fight with Anderson Silva where uh, Brunson did everything, but Silva made it look like he didn't do anything. So. <laughs> He won that, right? Anderson Silva won that? Yeah, Silva yeah. won the Brunson that, fight. That's one where he BS his way to a win. It's pretty funny, yeah. actually. <laughs> Ryan, that, that, ninja, that Ninja Henderson fight. Sorry. Sorry to keep going no, on good. this. That Ninja Henderson fight I just watched. At the end of the second round, right at the, the bell sounds, and Ninja is like getting up off of Henderson. The bell sounds, and then he soccer kicks him in the face. <laughs> at the bell, soccer kick. Henderson was like, what the... And Henderson still came out and put it on him in the third. I'm happy for him. Ninja was awesome. So that means I Chad him. Mendes should have been able to do it. Yeah. If he <laughs> had soccer still, kicks, he could have done it. Aldo still, him. his victory remains clean, Aldo. Wait, what Fair about enough. what about Holloway versus Volkanovski too? Ooh, that's a tricky one. Like, I thought Holloway clearly took that second fight. So, you know, like that, that, I feel like that's where it was like, I'm guessing since Volkanovski was the champ, you know, it's already in favor of the champ. And when it goes to like a decision that close, they kind of favor the champ a little bit more. Yeah, I think think this one goes to Zach's point about uh, where the 10-point must system fails a lot too because round by round, I scored that for Volkanovski. I gave him two to five. I can definitely see Max winning three of those rounds though. But if I look at the fight as a whole, I have a lot more trouble scoring it for Volkanovski. Obviously, Max did significant damage in the first two rounds. He dropped him with a head kick. I think rocked him with an uppercut in one of the other rounds, too. So looking at the fight as a whole, I definitely think Max should have won that. And I think it's kind of like one of the failings of the current scoring system that Volkanovski ended up with the decision. I totally agree. I actually, when I watched it live, I scored it 3-2 to two for Volkanovski. When I just rewatched it the other day, 3-2 to two for Volkanovski. But I totally agree. Because of the ambiguity with ten point the ten eight rounds, like Hollow I would say in this fight, Volkanovsky won the decision and Holloway won the fight. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the problem. They they shouldn't be different. They should be the same. And how do we get to it 
for these things to be the same is really the problem we're trying to talk about here. Mm -hmm. Good idea. Let's do one more. Ryan, you have, you have to suggest one, then we can we can move on to... Uh, you know what I'm going to say here, Ed. I'm never going to give this up. Henry Cejudo did not beat Demetrius Johnson. Nice. nice. Yeah. <laughs> so this fight illustrates pretty much all the problems I have with the both the scoring system and the way judges see fights. Um, so obviously you have the ineffective control by Cejudo, where Johnson was landing effective kicks to the body and the legs, landing clean punches to the head. And Cejudo was doing a lot less significant work on the feet, but he would get takedowns and then he would just kind of hang out in half guard. He wasn't even like, he wasn't there like with a strong cross face, putting a lot of pressure on Johnson. He was really just kind of existing on top of him. He didn't really do significant damage. Uh, it was just the inert control that judges like. And the judges valued that over Johnson clearly landing the, the cleaner offense. There's also like a lot of what I don't like about not necessarily the scoring system, but how judges see it is that they tend not to, to value body work or leg kicks a lot. And a lot of Johnson's best work came from kicks to the body and kicks to the legs, which the judges just kind of didn't care about, even though Cejudo wasn't doing much offensive work himself. Um, I think it was a split decision for Cejudo, and I would have scored that like 49, 46 Johnson. I think he won at least four rounds. So I, I will never give that up. I did not like that decision. Johnson won that fight. So is that is that specifically the 10-point must system or just how judges see like significant action? Yeah, I think that this is less on the system itself and more just on how judges interpret it. Um, the If you read the letter of the rules, they're actually kind of harsh on inert control. They say that basically a takedown is valuable not for the takedown itself, but for what it leads to. And that... In, um, effective striking or effective grappling that has immediate impact on the opponent is what is considered in scoring and that control without effectiveness doesn't isn't prioritized and doesn't really matter. Uh, so I think this is more a case of the judges just getting the existing system completely wrong than it is of the system failing itself. Yeah, I agree. I, I, think, I think the control on its own should count for something, but certainly not more than all the work Demetrius did with his strikes right. and everything else yeah i agree for sure i agree with that one as well which makes demetrius johnson the millennial uh ufc flyweight champion he's defending his belt in one um so he lives on uh but yeah <laughs> we, we we talk about that one a lot um just a couple throw out there uh i know i said one more but just to, to toss him uh john jones last two fights um, ever, I think a lot of people disagree with the Reyes fight because Reyes clearly outlanded him. But the Santos fight is a lot weirder because Santos was outlanding him, but also his knees broke and he was like wobbling around and looked, you know, like he was about to fall over the entire time. So how do you score that when it looked like it was happening because he was kicking Jones, but Jones wasn't actually doing things to him as much? Uh, I know Ryan. Mm, I actually don't know. I don't know if Ryan's with me on that, but I haven't scored it round by round. Recently, scored it for Santos the I first time. It. I yeah. scored it a draw when I rewatched it. A draw. How'd you get there? I gave a, a 10, 10 fifth round. Gotcha. I think Santos was, wasn't doing quite as much effective work as I thought the first time Jones was doing a little bit more, but I still think that the optics really benefited Jones where Santos was like stumbling around and looked crippled but he wasn't doing less than Jones was. Yeah. Yeah. Optics are a, are a tough one. Um, especially like if your face bruises more easily or uh, I could think of, I don't know if this is a specific fight where it happened, but like uh, Chandler, Chandler versus Primus the first time uh, his leg was like not working. 
but he was coming forward and like landing and still fighting just on he one dropped leg. Him. He dropped, he dropped him. him with yeah, the, he was doing really well, and they stopped the fight. And like, does is that make sense? And like, what if it had gone to decision? Would they have given it to Primus because of Chandler's leg? Uh, I was gonna say Jamie Varner. Uh, I think it was versus Kraus when his ankle broke, but I think that he was getting beat up after that. But <laughs> yeah, things like optics are really hard to to account for with judges because they're gonna see what they see. Um, but yeah, what about so, the first John Jones fight. The first John Jones versus uh, Alexander Gustafson. Gustafson. Yeah, yeah. Like the first time, not the second. Second time he right. got smashed. First time it was like, <laughs> I mean, Gustafson, you know, like you clearly see it in John Jones' face. Like, you know, it goes back to the amount of damage that Gustafson was doing. And, you know, like I know like it was a razor thin decision, but they gave it to John Jones. In that case, I think, you know, for me, I had Gustafson winning. But I think maybe that day I was just being biased. But it was it was one of those. It's like I don't know, man. Even the Dominic Reyes, I'm like I think Dominic Reyes took that. They're like not mm-hmm. Jones. Yeah. yeah, sure. I think I think I think Jones benefits a lot. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think Jones benefits a lot both from optics and from the just the assumption that he's winning is kind of the default. Like he's been the champ for ten years, and I think judges are really hesitant to to give a close fight to the other guy just because they don't want to, I don't know whether they like look at it and assume Jones is in control because nothing's really happening or whether they just don't want to give a decision to a challenger who's who's challenging like a 10 year champion uh, if it's close, but either way, there's definitely some bias towards uh, long reigning champs. I think. Yeah. I think because they don't give 10, 10 rounds, they don't because they don't want draws. But the truth is more fights should be draws. More fights are much closer to being draws than a win for this guy and a loss for that guy. That's that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Pride did a lot more often. They also had special rules about that, that ended in draws if there's no finish, I believe. Uh, I don't know if they continued those uh, later on, but you saw that a lot on people's records early on. But uh, yeah, that kind of brings us into... What, what are better alternatives than, than the 10-point must system in MMA and the current criteria? So uh, the question would be, you know, what are some of your ideas for alternatives? And if you want to talk about pride scoring and feel like that, you go ahead. I have some wacky ideas about like stall calls and, uh, you know, other things that enforce, uh, you know, more things to happen, which might make it easier to score, but also just might lead to more finishes. Uh, also small cage. Hey, you call and stalling on me. <laughs> hate that. I don't want that called. Um, but uh and yeah, wants them to fight on wrestling mats and have ring out calls yeah yeah i want step outs uh <laughs> just make it wrestling uh just mma <laughs> on a wrestling mat and i think that'll that'll solve all our problems but yeah who, who feels very strongly about uh, other ideas and wants to go first read zach's article <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't I only complain about the current system i don't i don't get into why other other systems will be better Sure. But I will say I'll, say, I'll say this. Uh, this is, I mean, this is the pay structure. So after I got released from the UFC and I was negotiating, Ryzen had a different pay structure. I don't know if Pride did this, but Ryzen has a higher flat rate and then no win bonus, but a finish bonus. So it's like 20, 20 to 30% of your flat rate you get as a finish bonus. So if you go for it and go for a finish, you're never risking part of your purse you can only gain right whereas like if i'm ahead in the fight and i don't and i don't want to lose by risk going for a finish if i get my i'll get my win bonus if i don't risk anything whereas in 
in this system with the flat rate and the finish bonus, anytime you get a finish, you get this extra 20, 30%. You can always go for more and you'll never get punished for it. So it incentivizes going for the finish without protecting the win. You know what I mean? I think that is a better system regardless of the, of, of how we are scoring fights for the pay structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. I know how was P, I know I remember how P, PFL was PFL doing it like like they're getting like a salary and at the same time they're also getting you know like I guess their 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 fight money. Then they try like a system like that. They're I like, heard that, but I don't like, know the specifics. But I heard yeah, that. Yeah, I, I remember I, I I when they were first trying to like be uh, bring it out, it's like you know fighters would get paid monthly. And then when they fight, you know, they get their, I guess, their, their fight money and then their win money if they win the fight. But then they're just continuously getting paid, you know, even all, during the off season, which was, was a pretty interesting idea. But I think, you know, like how it works when you got like all these fighters on the roster, you know, like and who's getting paid what. But that was, that was an interesting concept. Yeah, I don't think I it worked for them, though. Yeah, as far as um, like how, what other systems could work, um, obviously I'd like to see a full fight system, but I don't think we can just trust judges with a lack of accountability because as it is, they at least have to, judges aren't really accountable. Nobody cares if you massively screw up a decision, but at least the, you see the round by round scores and you know kind of what they were thinking. With a whole fight system, you would just have like some judge looking at his phone, just doing random shit while the fight's going on and then just writing down a name at the end. Uh, I don't really think we can, like, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to look at other systems until we address the main problem of judges just not being able to effectively follow any system. Uh, like, we've we've talked a lot about how the, the current system prioritizes impact, doesn't reward inert control a lot, uh, and how octagon control and aggression are secondary criteria, and you're only supposed to use them if, um, if effective striking and effective grappling is exactly equal. And judges just don't know how to use that. They they can't see counters. They're very bad at uh, at like effectively judging fights where one guy is mostly leading and the other is mostly countering. They don't see body work at all. Judges just seem not to care at all about kicks to the leg or kicks to the body, body shots. I don't really think you can effectively judge a fight unless you've been hit hard in the body. Um, so I think the the biggest factor in improving judging is just I don't really know how you, you do it, but I think you have to educate judges more or start hiring people with a higher level of training. I know there's been a lot of talk about having ex-fighters as judges, and I think that could be interesting. That also uh, presents some opportunities or presents some difficulties uh, as there obviously be a lot of conflicts of interest if you have fighters judging fights and you'd have to kind of like figure out like, okay, is this person trained with this person? Were they on the same team? Blah, blah, blah. Did they fight one of this guy's teammates? So yeah, I think the, the biggest impediment to improving scoring is that the judges just suck. I mean, like you saw the Dos Anjos versus Felder fight. One of, one of the judges scored that for Felder. I, I don't even know what to say about that. That's just like, if that isn't a, a just burn the whole system down moment, I don't know what is, what are you even doing? I didn't see that fight, but I heard it was a bad, bad call. Yeah. We like Felder though. We're, we're glad he got the credit for <laughs> as long as they don't give him the whole fight. You know, it's it's just a it's a moral victory that you got a card. Um, but yeah, just I, I definitely agree. And, and we talked about it with the Suhudo fight. But the 
it's in the rules how to treat takedowns that a takedown on itself doesn't score unless it leads to effective offense. So taking someone down and laying on them for a couple of minutes, if there was a whole rest of the round where damage happened, that doesn't make sense. Um, or, you know, something like, I don't know, Zabit versus Cater or, you know, John Jones versus Reyes or a bunch of times where, or like Aldo versus Edgar one, where there are takedowns, but they're pretty momentary. And then the other guy gets up uh, and you didn't do anything with the takedown. Uh, when, before I knew that that was like the rules or maybe they didn't change the rules or something like that. There's probably other reasons this was wrong, but originally during uh, Aldo Edgar one, I, I always thought that Edgar won the fight. Um, now part of it was I was scoring takedowns. Yeah, look at me like that, Zach. I deserve it. But uh, yeah, I thought you scored the takedowns. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, he got points there. Uh, and he, he did get a couple and they were like relatively close rounds. And Joe Rogan was like, oh, he's making him work all this volume. Uh, <laughs> I was really uh, having, making an impression on me. But stuff like that, um, I think they still do that. The judges still see like a quick takedown that didn't do anything and they attribute it to the other person like oh that's a round winner if the round was close but really it shouldn't have any sort of bearing it's not even in the rules as a tiebreaker it's in there as nothing unless um which stinks for people who you know part a lot of their game is taking people down and doing things to them especially if the person is very defensive on bottom and doesn't give you a lot of opportunities to produce offense and it's like then you're just your, your style is hurt by the rules um i don't know it's tough, but I th- yeah, I think I agree with the point that just if the judges were better, it wouldn't much be much of an issue. Um, but I think uh, just, you know, philosophically, I like the, uh, the judging the whole fight. I like prioritizing how close they came to finishing. I like, um, I actually, I like weighing things more towards the end of the fight because with my whole thing that I want to see is like, if this went like to the death, essentially, like it, it kept going, like, well, who would, who would finish the other person, you know, who, who would win, who would survive. Uh, but that's, you know, we have to decide what MMA is and what we're measuring and what the point is before we do that. But uh, yeah, I, I learned a lot from you guys and we all had some very uh, good examples and, and I like that it became more conversational. You guys are very, uh, very good at changing subjects quickly. And I appreciate your, your cooperation. And now it's time to do more plugs. Uh, for hold on i still want to comment on this last question okay then plugs go ahead uh so i totally agree with ryan i think if you could judge the fight as a whole that would be ideal but he's totally right there's the least accountability with with what's what the judges are thinking and how they're scoring with that system even though i think it could be the best um i've seen uh, I, i don't know if this is done in mma fights maybe aca did it but I've definitely seen it in glory where if you are going to still use the 10 point system, they have five judges instead of three, which would just, uh, you know, reduce the impact of someone who's scoring it a little differently. Uh, and I think if you're going to keep the 10 point system, adding judges is a little bit better. I've never seen a fight scored under the half point system. I think they have done it occasionally, but I've never seen it. It makes sense to me why that could be better like in the Rampage Machida example, if you refuse to give 10, 10 rounds, you could give 10 to nine and a half, 10 to nine and a half, and then 10 to eight or 10 to nine for Machida in the last one. It would have been a draw, but at least Machida wouldn't have lost. It's, I still think there's a problem with that. Um, I don't know. Uh, Ryan, how, how are fights scored in Muay Thai? Is it like you judge the fight as a whole or no? You judge yeah, um, so this is 
pretty complicated, but essentially they, so usually they score the first rounds 10-10. The first two rounds are pretty much non-scoring. They're just for the fighters to, to get a feel of the fight and like build their timing and everything. The, the higher scoring rounds are three to five and f- the round four is usually the biggest. So if you have like a big win in round four, the other guy has to do a lot to make that up. Um, they're essentially scored a, as a whole. If you have like a big round, a big round four and the other guy wins three or five, a lot of times they'll just give you, give the fighter that ra- one round four, the fifth round as well, even if he didn't win, just to kind of fudge it to make sense. So it is like, practically, it's a whole fight scoring system, but they have like lip service to making it round by round. Hmm. And I think in terms of like scoring the fight as a whole, it works really well in Muay Thai. There's a lot of weird scoring quirks with Muay Thai scoring that a lot of MMA people or Western kickboxing people wouldn't wouldn't agree with or wouldn't like. But just in terms of like how they deal with weighing the fight, I think Muay Thai handles that really well. They should score punches more, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. Ryan, uh, how is defense treated in Muay Thai? Like, if you make someone miss, but you don't counter them, do you get credit for making them miss? Yeah, uh, counters score a lot more high than just defense. But if you have – generally, they, they score based on narrative a lot. So, like I mentioned, in Muay Thai, the aggressor is seen as kind of desperate, uh, and the, the outfighter is seen as composed and in control. So when, when a guy – gets uh, like a clear lead on his opponent when he scores enough that he thinks he's, he's like, okay, I've got this now. The judges know that I'm ahead. He'll start retreating and forcing the other guy to chase. And at that point, it's up to the, to the guy chasing to score and get that back. And the more, the more exchanges that happen without him getting a clear scoring or like a clear point, the more it kind of, the lead kind of builds for the other person. So if you can land a couple quick kicks to the body and then dance around a little bit, uh, make the guy miss and pivot around him. It, it's kind of seen as making him desperate and the judges are, are kind of seeing you as composed and in control. So they don't necessarily score defense on its own, but they score it kind of as part of a narrative that you're selling where I'm the one that's in control. I'm composed. Look at this guy. He, he's missing. He's overly aggressive. Which is fun. I like that. But it yeah, would be a mess if they did that to MMA. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want any kind of narrative-based scoring in MMA. No, the MMA narratives are bad. <laughs> They're very Western as well. And I mean, they kind of already do it, right? We talked about bad decisions. Oh yeah. and like they have the opposite, where they see yeah. the pressure fighter, the one moving forward, right. is in control. Yeah. Diego Sanchez and Leonard Garcia have won every fight they've ever been in that went to decision. How about how do you guys feel about stand-ups in general when the ref stands people up? Like to your point, Ed, about stalling. Right. Uh, like in MMA now, if you get taken down and stall from your back to shut down as much offense, Elliot did it to me where he like reached over my back and grabbed his leg to lock me in and just wouldn't do anything. And he got, he got, they get rewarded for stalling instead of penalized. People get rewarded for stalling, at least in that context. Right. I think that is another issue. They should get penalized or have to sit there the whole round and lose. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Julio, what do you think? <laughs> Dude, I, 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 I feel like they should get penalized for that because it's, it's like, um, damn, it's like that fight, I just had literally had another fight on the top of my head. But, you know, look, you, you take me down, you hold me down the whole round, and you're not doing anything because you just want to hold me there. It's like, then they're, they're saying, it's like, you got to work. It's like, what am I going to do if this guy's just literally just sitting on me? And, 
I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I feel like they should get penalized for it. It's just for holding for no reason, just to stall for the round. Like, no. If that's the case, that's what we said to be like, stand them up and work because you're not doing anything with your top position. I'm talking about the guy on the bottom. I'm talking about the guy on the bottom holding. Like, I took him down and he reaches over like a rubber guard or like just held, he held his leg. So I was stuck and couldn't move. And he gets rewarded with a stand up for shutting down all the action. You know what I mean? Oh, no, then that, that, then, then that, yes, I agree with that too. I'm like, yeah, if you're just going to hold on the bottom and you're not doing anything for it, you should not get, you should not get rewarded for a stand-up. Like, you work, you work to get to that takedown, and you're in a dominant position where you're going to cause damage, and he's just holding there just for dear life because he has, can't get out. That's, that's his problem. He's got to find a way out. They shouldn't stand you up for that if he's on the bottom holding. Right? So I agree with you on that. They should be like, you got to work. If not, like, oh, well, I guess you stay there, and you get freaking ground and pounded, and that's it. Find a way out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't – I think I personally don't think there should be stand-ups, but the judges have to know, like I was talking about early, like who is controlling. Like if I take you down and I'm just clamping on your hips and holding you there and you're like punching me and elbowing me, I shouldn't be the one who has the advantage there. I'm, I'm not doing effective action, you know? So it's about what – understanding the dynamic of the actual action. I don't know. It's my opinion. Yeah, I – I'm kind of with that. I think I'm kind of a purist in that I don't like rules that are only made to make the fight more exciting. I think you should just let fighters win the best that they can. Um, in terms of stalling, it would be tough for a lot of judges, I think, to identify who's the one stalling. Uh, even in like peer wrestling, where it's a lot easier, uh, I still have a lot of moments where I'm like, why are you giving that one the stalling call and not the other one? But I, I do like the idea of not having stand-ups. I think that would probably go a long way towards making it more exciting as well if you don't have an incentive to stall, then you would be a lot more encouraged to like post, post your foot on a hip and try to create space. I think this, like, I think something that supports this idea is that you don't really see stalling at the elite level of MMA anyway. If you, if like a guy like Max Holloway gets taken down, he's not clamping on and waiting to stall. He's going to immediately try to create space, get separation and stand back up. And this is, it's, it's almost something that I think a lot of fighters would be better off trying to do but now the rules encourage them to, to grab on and kind of stall. So I do think it would be better if we didn't have stalling or we didn't have stand-ups on the ground. I do kind of like stand-ups on the cage though. So I just, the moments where a guy has like double underhooks and is just standing there for three minutes, just a personal pet peeve. I can understand not wanting that as well, but God, just watching it. Put it this way. If you're in a street fight and some dude ends up on top of you and his boys have a pair of Tims on, are you going to stay there and stall or are you going to wait you know, and let them stomp you out? Or are you going to get up right away? You're going to get up right away. So it's like, you can't really, you can't be like, yeah, I'm just going to hold here and hope the ref stands me up. No, you got to work out or else your man over there is going to stomp you out with his brand new Tim. That's pretty much how it is. So freaking, they should not get reward for, for, for just stalling on the bottom. If, you're, if you get taken down, you got to work to get back up. That's on you. Like, if you don't know how to get out, that's kind of your problem. You know, maybe that's something you got to work. If you're on top and you're freaking, you work to get that takedown, you're on top and you're, and you're trying to work, but the guy's just literally doing nothing, you know, no reward for that. Like, freaking work, work out, man. Keep going. Are shoulder strikes on the ground effective offense? I'm thinking of Clay Guida versus Anthony Pettis, specifically. (laughs) (laughs) 
What what position was that in? Where is he? Full guard. He was inside yeah. Pettis's guard. Yeah. Shoulder striking. Shouldering him. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. Hey, man, you got to think outside the box sometimes. You know. <laughs> Shit. I don't know. But yeah, I'm I'm sorry I tried to end it earlier because that, that we wouldn't have gotten that uh that very beautiful analogy. And uh it reminds me of Kerry Colat uh said that he learned to get off bottom because his dad, every time like he didn't get off bottom in a match or something, afterward his dad would uh zap him with a cattle prod. <laughs> just, what the hell? Yeah. Or like in practice at home or anything like that. Yeah, he would be shocking him, uh giving him, you know electricity and he's like a child that's, that's just good that's just good parenting that's yeah. good parenting yeah he got off bottom he it worked uh it's like learning to swim and you throw them in they're drowning immediately like they're gonna figure it out or they'll drown those are the two options you decide <laughs> start, start swimming so that brings up the point in mma should we have shock colors on the fighters and if they're fighting negatively do we you know do something like that that was the original ufc right they're gonna electrify the cage Oh God! Really? UFC one. That was one of their ideas. What they were gonna have a moat, or an electric cage, or both. I don't know which. Why they didn't go with those? I think it was a good. You idea. just do it. You just do a Twitter poll. Should we shock <laughs> fighter A? Only the ones I yes. don't like. It's like the the cam soda event thing. You vote for the ones you want to shock. <laughs> you want those gladiators, like the gladiator when they take out the tigers that are surrounding them. They're just fighting in the middle. Give me all those tigers getting freaking mauled. So you got to fight. <laughs> Scoring would be much easier because no one would survive the fights. So. <laughs> you would always know who won, if they're alive or not. Good. I'm I think glad we're ending on such here. a serious note. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is how all fight site podcasts go. We Wait, try to be serious. You guys, ever seen, the, you guys ever seen the movie Face Off with Nicolas Cage and John Travolta? No. Of course. You know when they get put in the prison and they get they give them those electric boots, then if they like when they start fucking up, they kind of lock the boots so they can't move, like their feet are stuck there. Like, you give them a pair of boots, you're like, all right, this fight's not, they're not doing anything. Just freaking lock their boots right there. Just like, I just start swinging. Whoever drops first, just have them go at it. <laughs> Mag boots in the pocket, no space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you guys seen X-Arm? It's arm wrestling, but you oh, can God. punch and kick. No. James Irvin did it. That's all my person of note that I know that did it, but it's uh, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> but yeah, they're, uh, they they're have their arms like in taped a, together in a sleeve attached to the table, so they have to keep the arm on the table and they have to keep their their hands clasped. But everything else is free. People are like using the table for submissions. It's pretty crazy, actually. It's, it's One guy did like trash. a flying armbar. Yeah, where he like he took bars. the arm that was taped to the other thing and like climbed up the table and just armbarred the other guy. To put. Jesus, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, that that and like team MMA or there's like I've seen team like obstacle course MMA like with those platforms and stuff and yeah. people are like getting double legged four like four, four or five feet off the ground. <laughs> Uh, it's so dangerous. Okay, so that, those to, are our proposed changes. What was that, Julio? Let's go to. You ever seen those videos of the, the guys that like they slap each other, like the slap contest? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, yeah. like a skinny dude with like tattoos, like trying to slap the big guy. The other guy's like, that's cute. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> he's, he's like freaking the slow motion, like their palm hitting the sweat line. They're just getting knocked out. Let's just go yeah. back to that. It's the first time I've seen someone knocked out by a slap. Is those videos? I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> So yeah, I think uh, MMA should be, you know, cage beasts released uh, at certain points in the fight, electrify the cage, uh, slapping only attached to a arm wrestling apparatus. I think that's the solution here. We figured it out. Good job, Zach. 
You have that <laughs> giant, that giant. Is he Russian? The, the like slap champ dude. The, yeah! Oh, of course he's Russian. He he's he's waiting between rounds. If you if, if the round ends, you go back. You have to take one. Each guy has to take one slap <laughs> and then go back out. <laughs> this is just after we published an article about how MMA is predatory because it hurts the fighters with, with little we're gonna, reward. We're gonna know? we're gonna cut this part out. Right? We're gonna electrify them now. No, I think this should stay. This, this, this is, is the best part. Good ideas. <laughs> Our patrons will love it. Um, they're very you know sadistic people. Yeah, uh, but yeah, time time to promote our, our guests, not Ryan. Uh, <laughs> so Julio, you dropped down to one thirty five. Do you have a fight lined up? You said I think you said you did. Yeah, February sixth, and uh, I I think it might be in Abu Dhabi, Ooh. and I make my return to thirty five. So I can't wait for that. Are you allowed to say your opponent, or you don't know? Yeah, is uh, Timur Valiev. Oh, I did. Oh hear yeah, that, that's actually. cool. I forgot about that. He's tough. He was in a World Series of Fighting. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there, there's people uh, that we're familiar with that that like Timur Valley have a lot, but we're not going to listen to them. I support Julio Arce. <laughs> and uh, Zach, you're you're in the the Brave uh, Flyweight Tournament, and the winner is the champ, right? The correct yeah. title tournament. And uh, do you want to explain what happened with your with your first fight? Yeah, sure. So uh, we had the. The first round, at least three of the first four quarterfinals were supposed to be on this card, September 24th in Bahrain. So we flew out there. Um, my opponent got sick and said he couldn't make weight. Uh, they were holding like back-to-back events every week at the same location. So I, I agreed under certain conditions to stay an extra week and just fight him the following week. But he still turned it down. I, don't, I really don't know why. So they just decided to advance me in the tournament. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'm in the, I'll be in the semifinals now, I think against the Russian guy I fought back in January and won a close decision against It'd be a tough rematch. Um, but I don't know when, and I wasn't allowed to get back into Canada to train and I don't, all my gears there, my cars there. Like I'm stuck in PA with nothing. I haven't done any fight training. And I don't know when I'll be able to get back. So I'm trying to plan a training trip somewhere sometime soon, but. Yeah. No, I don't but know. man, we'll see. you could come down to us. If you can get a car, I got extra gear, bro. I got you. All right, I'll give you a call, man. Yeah, my man, of course. That's good. I'm glad. And uh, the, your, your previous opponent, he, he won his fight already? You're just predicting that he'll make it through? No, he won. He okay. won on the card that I was supposed to fight on. Yeah. So it was just uh, semifinals whole, and you're already through? The whole, So me and him are the only ones in the semifinals, and I didn't even win to get there. Dustin right. Ortiz... I think is fighting, but I don't know okay. when or who his opponent is or because uh, I think his original opponent had to have like surgery or something. I don't know if they're waiting till he's better or if they're going to replace him. And then the other one, Shorty Torres and uh, Sean Santella fought, but they fought to a draw. So they have to do a rematch. <laughs> you know what? At the event before the fight started, I was like, you know what? This is a tournament. And I don't remember you guys having a draw protocol. Like it should go to a fourth <laughs> round because you have to advance someone. And they're like, oh, they literally, literally, the matchmaker's like, what are the chances of a draw? He's like, and even if it does, we'll just do a rematch. And I'm like, all right, all right, you want <laughs> draw. Well, we'll figure it out. It'll, it'll get, you'll get an opponent eventually. And uh, we're all hoping that you get a, another fight with Dustin Ortiz. Uh, and that, would you say that was a controversial decision, your first fight with Dustin Ortiz? Uh, it was a close decision. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but you won, right? I mean, I think I'm the better fighter. <laughs> I don't know if I thought I won. Gotcha. I made a lot of mistakes. I slipped off his back like three or four times. Mm-hmm. Guy's got a slippery back, man. Yeah, he's hard to hang on to. Joe B uh, could not keep him in one place for very long. He looks super strong, too. Yeah, he's pretty strong. Nice. nice. But we, we wouldn't meet until the finals, so. Even we'll better. See. And the yeah. uh, the tournament fights are three rounds, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if the finals would be a five-round fight, maybe. Yeah, it's for the title. I feel like they should should do yeah, that. They probably will. They probably will do that. I think you'll. I think you'll. You'll thrive in the five round environment. Um, I've done it twice. Yeah. Two good, and zero. Good to go back. And uh, okay, Ryan. I guess you can talk. Uh, do you have anything coming out coming up? Uh, not really. I have some stuff that I'm starting to work on, but I might get too lazy to finish it, so I don't want to mention it right now. Okay. okay. <laughs> Uh, Ryan has some Muay Thai videos coming out soon uh, too. Maybe they've come out already by the time this comes out, but uh, just little little breakdowns of cool cool Muay Thai fighters that, that do cool things that no one's heard of. Um, eight Limbs Podcast? Yes. Got another one of those in a week or so. Also Eight Limbs Podcast. Nice. You're welcome. Thanks, Julio, Zach. Do you have any, Much better uh, at this than I am. Any different <laughs> sorts of content coming out? Any like interviews, stuff that, that you're looking forward to? Nah, just training and chilling right now. That sounds Something excited to be back like. after a year after a year of not not fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. had to get double elbow double elbow surgery, and cool. then then COVID hit and you know everything was shut down. So I'm just glad to just be back on a roll, but finally get to fight again. Been missing it for sure. We miss watching you as well. All right, cool. Well, this was awesome. Uh, this went very well, in my opinion. We definitely solved the scoring problem and we diagnosed all of its issues and we, we have the replacement lined up. So what else could you ask for? Uh, obviously, uh, read Zach's article. Zach's going to write more articles. Uh, someday Julio is going to write articles. Uh, we solved it. You don't even need to read the article anymore. <laughs> we, we got it. It's become obsolete. Uh, yeah. No, read it. Read it. <laughs> so I think that that's a wrap. And uh, obviously, support the fight site. Check us out on Patreon. That's where you can request content. So let's say hypothetically, you say, hey, you guys are in touch with uh, Julio Arce. We would really like to hear him talk about his fight with Hakim Dewadu because we love both of those guys. And then you give us money and then we try to convince Julio to do that with us. So that, that could be something, you know, I can't promise that the fighters will say yes, but you could use your, your content requests for more panels and suggest topics and we'll, we'll figure it out and do stuff like that. Definitely give us money. Yeah, give us your like money and watch these guys fight and give them your money and use their discount codes on whatever their sponsorships are because you're going to buy this stuff anyway. So you should just, you know, give them, give them a piece of it. Uh, yeah. So that's it for now. And uh, hope to be back in business soon with uh, wrestling for MMA someday. Uh, but otherwise I just write articles every week so you can read those. All right. Oh yeah. Uh, social media. Where, where can they find you guys? Everybody. We are eight nine on on Instagram, JRCTSMMA on uh, Twitter, and yo Zach, I'm telling you, yo, hit me up on Instagram, man. We'll figure something out so we can get training. And All right, we'll do. That, Good to see you, man. Good to see you. Good to see you guys. Zach, what what social medias would you like to plug? Uh, Twitter at Zach Funsize, Instagram Zach underscore Makovsky. Man, the last time I trained with Julio was like ten years ago. I was, I think I was Bellator champ. He gave me so yeah. much trouble. It was a nightmare. I was like, who is this kid? <laughs> yeah, dude, I, dude, I can't wait. We got to get some training together again. Definitely, definitely. 
Ryan, you're not on Instagram, but you're uh, Ryan A Wag MMA yes. on, Twitter. on Twitter. Yeah, and just so, so you guys know, if uh, yeah, he's the cat boy. Uh, no, I think he, I right now he's uh, when he first came on. He's Mendez yeah. getting knocked out by Frank Yeager now. Yeah, I did that Make too, just to piss off my fight site <laughs> colleagues. <laughs> it worked. I'm mad. All right. But yeah, so uh, check us everybody out. Uh, look forward to more stuff in the future, and obviously read Zach's article.